Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. We all have this belief that the teen years are going to suck, they're going to be difficult, and we blame it on the teens being difficult. Everyone blames the teen for being difficult. Well, teens have not changed in generation after generation after generation. Their brain development, their physical development is still virtually the same. We just have not figured out as adults how to interact with teens and understand what's going on. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to episode 92 of the podcast. I am in this situation with the season of life that I'm in, that I am, as you probably know, if you listen to this uh, uh, podcast a lot, I am the older parent among my friends. I have a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. So I don't talk a lot about adolescent teen years. However, I am surrounded by friends that are scaring the heck out of me with the things that they're telling me about their teens. And so I need an expert on, which is all about this episode. Dr. Cam, welcome to Two Kids in a Career. Thank you so much, Jill, for having me. So I do feel a little lost (laughs) with some of the things that my friends are saying. I also am scared. And then it's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they say live in the moment, be present, and you try to do that. But you're also really busy and crazy and try to give yourself grace. But there have been multiple things that have happened in my life with either my sister or my closest of friends. And I just pray, give me all of the goods to handle the teenage years when they come. So I'm hoping that you can provide some advice for the listeners that I have who are in this season, who I can't relate to. And so let's just kind of start with your background and what you're doing, and then we'll start getting in the nitty gritty. Excellent. And I actually can help you too, Jill, because (laughs) right now where your kids are, you can actually do some things now that will make the teen years go more smoothly for you. Oh, thank goodness. Thank you. uh, We will get into that. So I am Dr. Cameron Caswell. My clients all call me Dr. Cam, um, and I went with it. I like it. So I I am an adolescent psychologist and a family success coach. And what I do is work with parents and their teenagers. And my mission is to open the lines of communication between them, help them understand one another, and reduce the conflict and the power struggles. And actually, as you just mentioned, the fear 
around mm-hmm. adolescence. I think a lot of parents go into the teen years terrified. Um, in fact, I see people with brand new babies in their arms already lamenting how bad it's going to be when they become teenagers. Yeah, And I want to take the fear and that belief out. Um, I believe the teen years can actually be some of the best years for parents. Um, and it's all in a how we approach it. So that's what I do now. And I go to schools and I talk to parents and I come on podcasts and my whole goal is to reach as many parents as I can and give them this information. And you also have your own podcast too. I do. I have a podcast called Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, nice and easy. And let me add, I'm a mom of 18. That's always helpful. Right? <laughs> it is. I live this. So I I live what I say. I'm not one of these people spouting off like, go do this and have it really unrealistic. I am about realistic, practical, actionable. And I try it out with my daughter first. And believe me, she gives me honest feedback. <laughs> so That's good. That's good to does, know. It is. So I don't know. Does it make sense to start with me? And then go, okay. So one thing that I will say is, and and I've talked about this in previous episodes too, that leading up to having my kiddos, you know, I, I am the reader. I am looking for all the knowledge. I like to better myself. So then that also ties into being a better parent. And I've read tons of things. People have made fun of me like, hey, you just got to live. And I agree with that. But I also think we have to equip ourselves with as much knowledge as we can when it comes to maybe communicating. So I bring that up because I do think that generationally, we have changed as far as being parents and how we talk to our kids and what we do. I think that we're also starting to actually learn like, hey, these kids, their brain development and their environmental development is huge on what they're going to be like. Well, then I do all of that and I'm a big, huge proponent and I'm, yes, just let's be there for our kids. And then I'll I'll run across an article that says something like, stop saying these things to your children. And I'm paraphrasing, but basically because if you keep saying them, then you're going to screw them up for life. Well, listen, <laughs> we, you know, I'm sure my kids will go to therapy for me um, or because of me. Uh, that happens. But it's like, I, I get all in and then I get all overwhelmed. And I think about, oh, well, my husband and I are not saying that that way. And now we're screwing them up. And so it's just this big cycle that I'm going through. You know, Jill, what you're hitting on to, I think, is one of the biggest kind of obstacles that we face as parents is we end up parenting from this place of fear. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, love, love that you are constantly educating yourself on this because I personally can't think of anything more important to be educated about um, is if how our kids are growing and being the best parent that we can be. We're going to make mistakes, absolutely, but at least having the information to make the best choices you can helps you gain some confidence. And I think that's really important. But like you said, there's so much information out there. It's hard to really figure out what 
to take and how to apply and apply it. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. Like there's so many books out there and it's like, okay, that sounds great in theory, but when I try it, it doesn't work like you said right. it should work. So how is this supposed to work? And so I like to give parents skills that are adaptable, that are kind of things that they can develop and work on, but aren't so specific to a special thing that if it isn't work play out exactly the way it says to in the book, it's not going to happen. Because let's face it, it never does. Right. <laughs> right. right. It never works out the way they say. No. So I, you know, and you talked about brain development, and I think this is this is what I base a lot of my teachings and my my action items on and why i say it's so great for you to start where you're at is because you can start helping your kids develop the skills and the brain and the connections in their brain right these um in order for them to have them developing before they get into adolescence cuz here's what's happens we as parents tend to want to jump in and fix and help and do things for our kids out of a place of love and not wanting to see them in pain. What happens is they don't have enough opportunities when they're younger to develop skills like problem solving, um, to be able to trust that it's okay to mess up and try again. So they start creating this mentality of, I can't fail Mom does it better, so it's better to let her do it. And we get into adolescence, and all of a sudden, overnight, we kind of expect our kids to have these skills now, to be able to mm-hmm. make good decisions, to be able to problem solve, to be able to think logically, to regulate their emotions. But they've never had the chance to develop those skills. So all of a sudden, they're getting in trouble for things that they never had the opportunity to learn. So where you're Mm -hmm. at right now is saying, you know what? Start giving your kids more ownership of things. Give them ownership to things that if they don't, if they fail at it, it's not going to harm them, right? But allow them to fail and show that failure is an opportunity to learn how to do it better next time, right? Yeah. So when we do that, by the time they hit adolescence, now... They've got these skills. And so when they start pulling away, which they're going to do because adolescence is a period of time where they're starting to identify who they are as a unique individual, which means having autonomy and control over parts of their life, which is why they push their parents away because their parents are threatening, even by helping them, we're threatening their autonomy, right? So now we're seen as somebody that's holding them back. Yeah. And we do this with teens because we have so much fear of the big, bad decisions they can now make, right? Like life-threatening decisions. And this is how we view every decision they make, um, which is part of that fear. But when they haven't had the opportunity to learn how to do these skills and they want that freedom, that's where the conflict comes because we don't trust them enough because they're not showing they know the skills. They need the freedom and the opportunity to learn those skills, but now the stakes are much higher. So let's start giving them the opportunity to learn these skills when the stakes aren't quite as high. Okay, I get what you're saying, but now I need an example. Sure. Like a real life example. So let's say we've got an example... 
school. Let's take school. Um, okay. This is a big, big one, right? And I still, I went to my, my daughter's in high school and I went to back to school night and every single class, the teacher's information that they gave us was how to monitor your kids' grades and what to do if the grades were, weren't what you wanted them to be. And this made me cringe because that meant we were still being expected to micromanage our kids in everything they do. And nobody likes to be micromanaged. Mm -mm. So let's say your kids are now in, what grade are your kids in? So the oldest is in pre-K and the youngest is in the twos class. So they're really young. So this is still great. So what can they have ownership in, in terms of learning? What can they be responsible for? Um, And so, I mean, this is a little bit harder because they're not getting grades yet. So even thinking about chores, let's do a chore. So we want to do chores at school, at home. And it's really important to have, give kids some responsibility. What we want to give kids responsibility for in the end game of responsibility, though, is to teach them how to make good decisions and how to help around the house, right? Yeah. We want them to feel the sense of ownership. What happens is we often use chores as this negative thing that they have to do and they'll get punished if they don't or there'll be, you know, some punitive things if they don't and we're nagging in them and yelling at them and we're not creating the sense of ownership or developing this sense of wanting to help and make good decisions. We're developing the sense of helping sucks and I'm Mm -hmm. being forced and controlled to do this. And so when I get old enough to say no, I'm saying no, because I've been pushed around too much. Like this is how they're feeling. So if you give them ownership of something, and this could be something small, like, you know, taking their dishes off the table, like they have clearing their own dishes off the table, right? And that's Mm -hmm. something they do. When they have ownership, It becomes their job, which means your job is to help set them up for success, to be able to own it, not to control how they do it. So if their job is to clear the table and they're struggling to remember to clear the table, and it's always interesting to know why, because little kids usually love to help because they feel good about it. They just know how need to know how. So if you show them, okay, here's what you do. And let's practice together. We're going to take our plate, we're going to pick it up, and we're going to put it here in the sink. That's as far as you want them to do, right? So we're Mm going to take it and we're going to do this. We're all going to do it. Let's all take our plates and we're going to take our plates and we're all going to put them in the sink. And look, thank you. You just helped so much. Thank you for taking your plate. And then the next day, we all take them together until they learn to do it themselves. And now they you're not nagging them. Not, you're not reminding them. If they stop forgetting, start forgetting to do their plates and take their plates rather than get upset, go, okay, your job is to take the plate. What's happening? You know, why, why are you not doing it? It's not a judgment. It's a why are you not doing it? How can I help you do that? Are you forgetting? Do you need a reminder? Like what's going on? But if they leave the plate, you leave the plate. Like that's their, they're owning it and they can still fail too. Okay. And so when they leave the plate, you're like, oh, look, you forgot the plate. What happened? 
And so now they're learning, I'm not going to get in trouble for forgetting the plate, but it's my responsibility. So mom is going to help me learn how to remember to do it. And now it's this ownership. So we're learning it's okay to fail at it. That gives us information on what do we need to change so that they succeed next time. And then when they do it, it's about thanking them for doing it and showing, not throwing a ticker tape parade, but thanking them. And the other thing I think a lot of parents, we accidentally do, or we do, is when they do something, we find what they didn't do correctly and correct that. So let's say, you know, like my daughter helps with the dishes. So let's say she's cleaning the dishes and she does not clean them to my standard. Yeah. Kids rarely do it to our standard. <laughs> what we feel like we need to do is go in and correct and show them how to do it the right way. But let's think back. What is our real goal in this? Our goal is to have them make good decisions, be responsible, and help around the house. Not necessarily do it perfectly right away, right? Like is the perfection what's important or that they're helping out? So when we go and correct them right away, they get this feeling of, great, even when I do something, all they see is what I do wrong. They've got to correct it. Why don't you just do it yourself? Yeah. So we want to make things like chores and things like helping around the house have positive vibes around it, not negative. We put so many negative vibes around helping and doing things rather than these positive things of like, they love to help when it feels good, when they're recognized. So I've been doing this with my daughter since she was really little. She now is a teenager at the years where you think they'll do nothing. She takes out the garbage without me asking. She does her dishes. She she will not clean her room. We've let that go. You know, I mean, there's things she does her laundry, right? But there's some things like her room and we've talked about it and that's her space. And I'm like, I'm willing to let that go because ultimately the p- things that really matter and the fact that she is actually really helpful around the house and enjoys doing it because it's a positive experience. That's what matters. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Refocus Jill. All right. So I think that is really helpful for, you know, just the, the, the beginning layer of the parents that are listening right now that are in the same season as me. I definitely want to get into the adolescent talk. Um, again, as I said, I, I don't know. I can't relate. I can only know about my experiences as a teen, but here are a few things that I thought about when I knew that you were coming on and and things that have been said to me. So my sister has a son in his 20s and his brother, the other boy, he is 17. And I remember one time she went with me to take the girls to, I guess, probably a, a checkup. My husband wasn't available and she and the pediatrician were joking around and they're like, this, what you are experiencing, the temper tantrums, all this stuff, this is easy. Just wait until the teen years. Mm. And I remember Mm. hearing that. And then they, they just said, it's on a whole different level, hard. It's just very different. And I think what you were saying earlier about those life altering decisions and choices that comes into play. Yeah. So that was one thing I thought about. 
And then I have a best friend whose daughter is getting ready to go into high school. Same with a coworker. And, you know, I've heard this, well, they fight back on everything or they won't talk to me or I'm the bad guy in everything and I don't know what to do. And so when I hear my friends talk about how angry they can get, it's not even maybe anger. It's it's sadness too. Like we're not tight like we used to be or we want it to be that way. And it's probably hard to accept. I don't even know if I'm wording any of this right because I'm not in that situation. I just see what is happening around me. Yeah. Jill, you're you're communicating it very well. And this okay, is, good. these are the things I hear daily. Okay. Um, I also talk to the teenagers daily and I know what's going on. So there was a few things there I wanted to pull out. The first one is Someone said, I, doctor, I think you said, said, oh, wait till the teen years. Right yeah. there is a big problem that I'm seeing is the fact that we all have this belief that the teen years are going to suck. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be, and we blame it on the teens being difficult. Yeah. Everyone blames the teen for being difficult. Well, teens have not changed. In generation after generation after generation, their brain development, their physical development is still virtually the same. We just have not figured out as adults how to interact with teens and understand what's going on. So the way we interact with teens makes it so much worse. The way we approach our teens is what is causing the conflict, not our teens. But we go into it expecting them to be difficult. Our brains are really great at focusing on the things that support what we already believe. I mean, this just shows in anything you anything you believe in, politics, health, whatever it is, you will be prone and lean towards finding more content to support what you believe. So when we believe the teen years are going to be difficult, that's the way we approach the teen years, and we're constantly looking for evidence that the teen years are going to suck. And when we do, we're going to find a lot. So that's the first thing. I, I just really want to encourage and, you know, parents at your stage, like, rethink how you're thinking about teens. Okay. Because my belief, again, and I'm living this, teen years can be awesome. I love being a mom of a teen and I love working with teenagers. And it's because I see them differently. The other thing I want to kind of bring up is, you know, a lot of people say it's puberty, it's the hormones is the problem. It's really not that as much as it is the brain development and the expectations put on teens. So as parents, we don't adapt as readily as our teens need us to adapt in our parenting style. We don't grow and mature with them. So when our teens become older and their brains are developing and they're developing their sense of self, they're developing the ability to think more logically and reasonably, although people don't believe that it is true, um, they need something different from us. And we continue to micromanage, we continue to, um, you know, really expect them to have, to be able to communicate 
what they're feeling clearly. And what's happening is the teen's brain is going through a growth spurt and it's growing unevenly. And the part of the brain, the the lower brain or the limbic system where the emotion center is in the fight or flight, that fully develops by the time they're about 11 years old. So they've got that gut response, that instinct rate, that all of those impulses and emotions are fully developed. The prefrontal cortex, the upper brain, that is the executive functioning, that's the regulation, the logic, the reasoning, that doesn't develop till they're 25. So what's happening is they're experiencing the world from a very emotional lens. And they're also seeing it as all of a sudden they're aware of how they like what the ideal situation is versus their situation. And they're constantly measuring the difference, right? Which is why all of a sudden their parents aren't nearly as awesome to them as they used to be because they now see where their parents fall short. Mm. They're not as awesome as they thought they used to be because they see where they fall short. Um, And so they have this view of the world that's kind of a bit, you know, it's a bit overwhelming. And they don't have the logic and reasoning to work through it and see that it's going to be differently different. And so they're trying to communicate how they're experiencing the world and their beliefs, but the way they do it is through this emotional, this through this emotion. It comes across to us as disrespect, as defiance, as whining, and we want to shut it down. Because it mm-hmm. hits us in our, it pushes our buttons. It we trip over our ego. We're like, oh no, you don't talk to me that way. That's not okay. And we shut it down. And the number one thing I hear teens tell me over and over and over again is my parents don't listen. They don't mm-hmm. understand me. They have no idea. And you know what? Most parents don't. Because we don't listen. We don't validate what they're going through because we don't think that what they're going through is that important. And I'm not saying this is undermining. I'm just saying we're going in the, in the matter of the world, when you put all the world things and all the things that I'm dealing with, with mortgages and you know marriages and all this stuff, the zit on your nose is, that's silly. Like, you cannot be upset about the sit on your nose. And what parents don't understand is at that point where they are in their life, the zit on their nose is catastrophic. Yep. And when we don't validate and understand that, and we just kind of brush that aside, that invalidates them. It makes them feel unheard. It angers them. They don't feel like they can trust us. When we try to fix everything or we try to, pep talk them even. We are doing it from the right place. A hundred percent. All Every parent I talk to is coming from the place of loving and wanting the best for their kids. The problem is the message that they're sending to their kids often is, I don't believe in you. I don't believe you can do it. And the kids are now believing and taking this in and believing, I'm not enough. I can't do this. And it comes across again to us as anger and defiance and disrespect and locking themselves in the room or playing video games. All of these are defense mechanisms. They're their armor to protect 
their insides that are really crushed. And so I tell parents that the harsher the behavior on the outside, the more they're hurting on the inside. Let's hit pause real fast with Dr. Cam so I can talk to you about the very first sponsor of the podcast, Blondin Real Estate. As you know, the housing market continues to be crazy. I don't know when that's going to change, but you have to be ready for when it's not crazy and you need to be prepared no matter what. That's the thing with Blondin Real Estate. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is they didn't just adapt to meet this craziness that's happening right now. They were ready for it. They're also going to be ready for when it's not so crazy. They have your best interest in mind. And that's one of the things that sets them apart from other real estate agencies. I just want you to be in the best hands possible. I want to make sure you're not taken advantage of. I want to make sure that you are celebrated when you find your dream home or when you sell your home to get to the next place in your life. And those things will happen when you are with my friends at Blondin Real Estate. BlondinRealEstate.com to learn more about them and to see all the great things that they have to offer for you. Now let's get back to that conversation with Dr. Cam. So let me ask you a question about in your sessions with teenagers. Yeah. When you, okay, so do you explain to the teenagers and do they understand when if you say what your parents are doing, do you understand that it comes from a place of love and maybe protection so that they can kind of see that side where, as you're telling us as parents, here's how you need to look at from their side? A hundred percent. Okay. Um, I My goal, again, is a, is to connect parents with their teenagers. So the last thing I want to do is get the teen is to turn their teens against their parents more. Now I'll validate what they're feeling 100%. And if it's anger at their parents, I'm going to validate their anger at their parents because that's true to them. Yeah. Right. And they need to be heard. But then my goal is to help them to communicate to their parents in a different way. So I problem solve with them them going, okay, this is really important for you to explain to your parents. Why do you think they're not hearing you? Why do you think they're not understanding? Is there another way for you to express that? And when you work, and this is why I work with the whole family, because if I can, if I'm with the teen and I help them to communicate, but their parent is still seeing them in this light of being defiant, there's not much the teen can do differently that's going to change their parent's mind about how their teen is. Right. So I have to work on both sides. So when I work with the parents and say, okay, let's set your teen up to succeed. Let's figure out what your teen is trying to say. Let's give them that space and listen to them. And I work with the teen on how can you communicate that in a way and understand why your parents are reacting. Like this is what they're seeing. And when I'm able to do that and they're able to come together and be like, oh my gosh, we actually both want the same thing. I've yet to meet a teen, meet a teen that doesn't want a better relationship with their parents. Every single one of them. They want to spend more time with their parents but not in the way that is there for them right now. Because to teens, 
time with their parents means getting lectured, getting mm-hmm. talked at, getting feeling like they're being a disappointment. It all becomes about that. And they just want time to hang out with their parents and not have it be about what they need to do or what they're not doing. I wrote down, and I don't think that this is the right question, but can you change? And by that, I mean, is it ever too late for a teenager or preteen and a parent that is just, it's too late? No. I I would not be doing this if I believed it was too late. I I don't believe it's ever too late. Um, Today is the best day to start and wherever you're at. And one thing to be clear, the person that you need to change and the first thing you need to do is realize that it's you that needs to change. We get so focused on what our teen needs to do differently. If my teen would just listen, if my teen would just do what they said, if my teen would just do, it's always what the teen needs to do differently that everything will be right. But expecting our teen to change without us changing is extremely unfair and it's just not going to happen. We can't suddenly have our teen react differently to the same thing. So if we want our relationship with our teen to change, it's us that needs to change. And this is good news because we can change us. We can't change our teen. But when we change the way we show up, our teen is going to start changing the way they show up. It won't happen overnight. And I have parents go, I listen like you told me to. And they were still not, you know, they still gave me attitude. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to take a long time because they don't have any trust. And if you suddenly show up in a completely different way than you did yesterday, they're going to think it's a trap. They'll be like, what's going on? And then we get mad and we revert back. And so in a way it kind of was a trap because we did it fully with the full expectations. It came from more of a place of manipulation. Like if Mm. I do then they'll do what I want. And I think what we need to realize is we need to look at ourselves. How do we want to show up as a parent? Do we want to be the parent that yells, that lectures? No one does. That nags? No one does. We just don't feel like there's any other way. But there is. And when you stop showing up that way and you start showing up with compassion and listening, clarity is a big one. We want to set our kids up to succeed. This does not mean we just let them do whatever the heck they want. That is not, that actually creates a lot of um, conflict as well because teens don't feel safe. But it comes with being clear. What is it that you're expecting from them and why? Because it's important to provide the why because our goal is to teach them how to make good decisions. And if they don't have the roadmap for making good decisions, How are they going to learn how to do it? Most of them right now are basing their decisions on whether or not mom or dad is going to get mad at me. Yeah. That's not where, and then it's like, well, a good way for them not to get mad at me is just not to get caught. Right? So Mm -hmm. now we're actually pushing them in a direction that we really don't, in the way that we're fearing they're going to go. And we're kind of pushing them there. So we need to make it a space where it's, safe, but clear what it is and why. And 
have them ask questions. They need to understand the why so that they can make good decisions. Because when kids have the groundwork and the roadmap for making good decisions, they're going to start making good decisions because they don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> they, they want your approval and acceptance more than anything. But when they feel like there's no way to get it, they give up and they say they don't care. They care a lot. That's a defense mechanism. Well, the two things that came to mind when you were describing this, that it doesn't happen overnight just mm -hmm. with anything. You just got to keep at it and you're going to mess up and that's okay, but you got to keep at it. But the other thing, and you know, this is not anything you and I can even begin to tackle, but there are parents that do believe I'm the parent, you're the child. Not that your voice doesn't matter, but um, it is, this is the way it should be. This is the way you should think. And this is how it is. And uh, that's difficult because going back to, and you've said this multiple times in this podcast, we want our children to succeed. I have always said that. I do not want to set my my kids up for failure. And if that means I have to change the way that I talk uh, about something or a topic or the way I do something, I have to put in the work. And for me, that's super important. So I 100% am, am on board with what you were saying about we have to change. We have to be there for our kids. We have to be there for our teens. It's not a, I'm the parent and this is the way it's supposed to be. That's my personal opinion. You know what? I'm not going to tell people how to, well, I do, but uh, here's the thing. <laughs> you can parent that way, but just realize it's going to push your teen away. And that's, that's the result of that. So to parent that way and expect your teen to be okay with it, actually, if your teen is being okay with it is when I would be almost more worried because either they're going behind your back or they're completely have just given up and they're not learning the skills to be a successful person out in the long run. And we're seeing a lot of people, you know, young generate the younger generation in the workforce now and managers are just, you know freaked out because these kids can't make a decision to save their life. They're terrified of making mistakes. They held no accountability. They point fingers at everyone else. They are completely entitled. And it's because they never had the ability to learn how to walk on their own two feet and to go the direction of their what's important to them and to have a voice. And now when they're supposed to have a voice, they don't know what that voice is and they're terrified of it. So if we want to set our kids up to succeed, the number one most important thing to set our kids up for a successful life is a strong, positive connection with the parent. Number one, that's where they build their self-esteem. That's where they build their resilience. That's where they build their motivation and passion is by having someone that believes in them and that gives them the space to explore who they are authentically. It may not be a doctor or a lawyer that you want. But my question is, 
how are you defining success? Because if you're defining success as having a job that could make good money, that's one way of success. But I know a lot of people that have great jobs that make really good money that are absolutely miserable Mm -hmm. because they're not doing what they want to do. Um, They were pushed there or they felt that's what they needed to do. And so we're, we're creating this pressure to perform and this pressure to be a certain way. And a lot of times it comes from our own insecurities and our need for our kids to show us outwardly, to show everyone else that we're a good parent. Mm-hmm. We, we feel like how our kid shows up, are their grades, how well they succeed in sports, how popular they are. We believe all of that is a measure of how good we are as a parent. And it's just not because then it actually disconnects us from our kids. And that's the one thing they really need. So I just encourage parents to, and, and it's not easy. Our kids pretty much aren't going to be the exact picture of what we thought they were going to be. Right. But when we try to change them to be, to fit this, this model of what we thought, all we're doing is sending the message that who you are is not good enough. You're not lovable who you are. You have to change. And I hear kids all the time that just have zero self-esteem and are or these perfectionists that are constantly scrambling because they feel like they have to earn love and acceptance. But when we love and accept our kids for who they are right now, that's when they have the freedom and the space to actually succeed and to and to like prosper because now they get to be their authentic selves and they feel like I'm loved for who I am and now I want to achieve for me not because I think I need to in order to be accepted. I think it would be super wise to have you back on in the future. I think it would be really interesting if people wanted to email some questions or Mm -hmm. some scenarios they're going through, which you can do that. Hello at jilldevine.com. And it would be really great to have you walk through those different scenarios. I 100% am also on board with talking to someone uh, as a family and then individual as the teen, as the mom, as the dad. So I love that this is an option for these individuals. So as we wrap up, go ahead and give out your information. I know you're not local to the St. Louis area, but that doesn't matter. You are available in other ways. And especially with the world we live in now, nobody has to be local to you. I have clients (laughs) all around the world, actually. Um, Thanks to Zoom, everyone is in my living room. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I work with everyone. So um, the best way to find me is to go to my website, which is askdrcam.com, A-S-K-D-R-C-A-M.com. And you can find all my information there. And if obviously you're listening to podcasts, Go on over and listen to, listen to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, um, and I've got 
different guests on twice a week talking about their specialty. Um, and so I am constantly like you, Joe. I'm learning every single day still. So much to learn. And so I, if I have a question, I go get an expert and ask them questions. So I'm constantly learning as well. Well, I will have all of that information on the show notes at jilldevine.com. And yes, send your questions, send your scenarios. You can be anonymous. And Dr. Kim, I look forward to talking to you again. This has just been super helpful for me. And I can only imagine the parents of preteens, teens, how helpful this is for them. So thank you. Absolutely. And I, I look forward to that. My answering people's questions is one of my favorite things to do. I'm pretty excited to introduce next week's guest to you. Episode 93 will feature Todd Larkin and Andy Wiggins. They are the founders of the awesome organization Hearts and Hope for Uganda. And I am just so excited for you to learn more about how they even started this and how they're just normal people trying to do some good stuff for others that are suffering. So please join me next week to see how you can get involved. As we wrap up this week's episode, I just want to remind you to check out one of my sponsors, Blondin Real Estate. If you head to blondinrealestate.com, you'll see this awesome feature that they have where you sign up, you give them your email address, and they'll let you know once a week about different properties in the area that you can learn about before anybody else. And what we're learning right now in the crazy real estate game that we're in, that is super important because a lot of people are getting what they want when they learn about it before it hits the market. Because after that, I mean, it's just too crazy. So head to blondinrealestate.com to take advantage of that awesome feature that they have. You just give them your email address, sign up right there, and then you're going to be in the know before anybody else. And it is time for this week's Supermom Shoutout brought to you by Addie's Way. This week's recipient will get a Supermom tote that she can tote around wherever she goes and just be reminded that she is a Supermom. So this week's Supermom was nominated by her mother, Deb. She says, my daughter, Sarah, has given up so much to provide for her four beautiful children. The last time she had a haircut at a salon was 10 years ago, and only because she was donating it to Locks of Love. I am beyond proud of this supermom. Sarah, I see you and I support you. And if you want to be like Deb and nominate your daughter, or maybe you're a daughter and you want to nominate your mom, please get a hold of me by either going to email hello at jilldevine.com or you can go to the website jilldevine.com and we have the super mom shout out form right there making it so super easy for you to fill out and thank you to Addie's Way for providing that tote to our super moms thank you for your support of this podcast if you have an opportunity to subscribe rate and review it I would be greatly greatly appreciative of it So thanks in advance for that. And you can also follow along on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I appreciate all that you do for this podcast and all the love that you show for it. So thank you. 